Welcome to episode 38 of That Classical Podcast. This time, it's Christmas! Hello! Hello! My name's Chris Bland. And my name's Kelly Harlock. And you're listening to the 2018 Christmas episode of That Classical Podcast. It's Christmas! Crimbo o'clock. Welcome, everybody. Today, as always at this time of year, we wanted to celebrate with our favourite classical pieces of music that aren't just carols. Because obviously, carols are brilliant. Oh, for sure. But there are so many more pieces around um, worth hearing, yeah. I reckon. Seasonal treats. Absolutely. Starting Nothing wrong with carols. Listen to all the carols yeah, you want. Not but... just sing them. Our job is to expand your Christmassy minds. And so with that in mind, we're going to move on to a composer who's not normally associated with Christmas, and that is Franz Liszt. Oh, yes. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. So, Kelly, Liszt, what springs to mind when I say Liszt? What, um, what do you imagine? I imagine a piano playing man in my brain. I mean, yes, correct. Um, this will be a piano piece. He has a face. He's got arms. Um, <laughs> face, uh, arms, uh, fingers on the end of arms. He walks on his feet. I don't know. Right, well, I was trying to cue you up for something. My bad for okay. not explicitly explaining <laughs> that. sorry. Um, I thought you were going to say <laughs> that young, sexy, wild list. Listomania. Uh, oh, right. Show off list. He was a hunk, wasn't he? Was, he? he was a bit of a hunk. Oh. Uh, yeah, with all his spectacular, flashy piano playing as a young guy. Got it. However, this is a bit more of a sedate list, a Christmas list, if you will. Oh, get out. <laughs> uh, but in a very real sense, this is grandpa <laughs> list, old man list we're talking about. Old man list. Was he still... A hunk uh, as a sixty-year-old, a bit of a bit of a silver fox. Love a silver fox. Uh, I mean, he had quite a lot of warts. So okay, so that's a sure. no. That, I guess that's a no. Right, please continue. <laughs> anyway, right. so List at this point is in his early sixties. Uh, he's got a granddaughter on whom he dotes, loves okay, her very cool. much. Right. And so this granddaughter, whose name was Daniela. She was born on Christmas Eve, but they always celebrated her actual birthday on Christmas Day itself. Did she get two sets of presents? <laughs> That's a very Which good question. Which is the only done thing, really, if your kid's birthday is oh, on Christmas, surely. I would be If my birthday was on Christmas, I would insist on getting two sets of presents. You spoiled so-and-so. But no, seriously, <laughs> if you've got a kid, please give them two sets of presents. Please continue. Uh, So this piece is called The Christmas Tree Suite, and it's actually made up of 12 shorter pieces. They're all for solo piano. And they're really beautiful. They're all quite simple, very, very different to his early writing. And in fact, some of them even play with... It almost sounds like Debussy, in fact, like a little bit impressionist. bit wishy-washy. No, I mean, I wouldn't say wishy-washy. It's isn't it? Yeah, yeah, okay. Um, but much sparser chords, much less frenetic, wild playing than we're used to hearing from Liszt. So with that in mind, let's have a listen and see what you reckon. So that particular piece was called Abendglocken, Evening Bells. What did you think? Mm. I thought it was very pretty, actually. And I see what you mean about Debussy. Mm. It had that 
it, I would never have known that was list. Like if I, if yeah, I'd heard it yeah, yeah, yeah. in a in a cafe walking around the street, <laughs> I I would never guess that was list. Actually, how interesting. Yeah, no, it's not a side of him that I've ever really come across before. Looking up specifically Christmasy music. For totally, this episode. and actually, it was uh, it was sweet that he wrote that for his granddaughter because it was quite childlike as a it piece, is, isn't yeah, it? Yeah. And it's sort of not not to diss list, but it sounded <laughs> quite simple and straightforward. Absolutely. Like a kid could maybe even play it. Themselves. I reckon a, a child could probably um, play that. So what was that called? The uh, evening bells and from the from the Christmas tree suites and on that note as always at this time of oh, year God. I like to smatter the episode with a few Christmas facts and actually though last year Chris did a great job and actually had me crying with laughter so I'm going to try and do the same this year I'd actually, um, she'd explained before we started recording that she was going to do this and I'd already forgotten that this was going to happen <laughs> I'm going to I'm going to really gently um, you know push us into it with just a very quick fact that um, a lot of the a lot of the parts of a Christmas tree are edible and contain a lot of vitamin C. This isn't real fact. Don't eat your Christmas trees, listeners. <laughs> Do eat your Christmas trees, listeners, and tell us what they taste like. I think you know what it's like. That thing where you know Christmas trees smell really good. Yeah. Like fried onions smell really good, and then you eat fried onion, and you're like, it doesn't taste how it smells. What are you on about? You know, or like herbal tea smells really good, and then you taste it, it doesn't taste how it smells. I think the same would be true of a Christmas tree in that it smells really nice. Both fried it... onions and herbal tea are delicious. I'm so confused. <laughs> anyway. About the point you're making Look, here. if you run out of oranges this Christmas, get your Vit C from your Christmas tree. Full stop. Classical pop. Classical podcast. Classical pop. And it's the classical <laughs> So next on the Crimbo list today is Lieutenant Kije. Bless you. Okay, thank you very much. Uh, which is a film uh, which Sergei Prokofiev wrote the music for back in 1934. Ooh. And if you're saying, Kelly, that doesn't sound very Christmassy. It, it, Kelly, that doesn't sound very Christmassy. Get off my case. <laughs> Just wait a minute. You'll see what I'm talking about shortly. Um, so look, a bit of background. By the 1930s, Prokofiev, actually, and you know this already if you've listened to our episode on Prokofiev, um, <laughs> but he left Russia, all right? He Apparently he hadn't fled it. He had just kind of left to pursue his career <laughs> elsewhere, apparently. I mean, yeah. In light it's... of the revolution and everything else going on, the civil sure. war. Um, anyway, so he left and he lived in America for about 15 years, then True. he moved to Paris. Mm. But he sort of missed Russia by the sort of the 1920s, I guess. And he wasn't treated like an exile by the Soviet Union. Okay. He was kind of almost treated like a VIP, especially when he went back. Uh, okay. So he was kind of being wined and dined. And eventually he did buy a flat back in, I think it was Moscow or something. Okay. All right, um, so and he sort of moved back. And he was super keen to sort of take his music, which had really grown and become something quite special, you know, abroad and take it back and make it kind of palatable for the Soviet Union. Interesting. Um, okay. So in 1932, the Belgoskino studios of Leningrad um, asked Prokofiev to provide music for their new movie, Lieutenant Kija. Okay. And, and like talking pictures, the talkies, <laughs> talkies had been around for a couple of years by then. And the idea of music mirroring on screen action was still pretty novel. So when Ooh. they asked him to do the soundtrack, he was like, mm, no. Okay. Uh, he said, he'd, and I quote, he'd never written music for film before and didn't know 
what kind of sauce to put on it? <laughs> oh, as in like what ketchup, kind of, Yeah, exactly. Sauce. Obviously bolognese, cool. for God's sake. Anyway, once he actually what a heard... bolognese film this is. <laughs> yeah. But, but once he actually... So he said no. But then once he uh, heard about the story and what it was about, uh, he was like, I'll do it. Because it was the perfect opportunity to put his music in front of the Soviet Union uh, and make it, because okay. it was a film and it was something a bit sort fun. Sort of like sneak it in under the radar Exactly, like okay. to show them he could write some sick tunes right. that they would also enjoy. Cool. You know. Got it. So I watched some of Lieutenant Kija. It's an interesting, it's an interesting film. So the is story... It, is it aged particularly well? Oh God, don't even get me started. <laughs> it looks like a budget, it looks like something GCSE students have put together oh on a budget God, of five amazing. pounds, but in the 1930s and black and white, like amazing. you can sort of watch it, I'll put it on Twitter. But it revolves around uh, the Tsar of Russia uh, being woken in the night by two courtiers, like having a tryst. And what that oh. means is a woman pinches a man's bum, bum. And, and, <laughs> Jinx. <laughs> thanks for that. Avengers Man's Bum. And he screams. And his scream of delight, I guess it would be, uh, wakes the Tsar in the middle of the night. And this Tsar is fuming. He I is fuming. fuming. And he's fallen asleep in his chair as well, which is so oh, not even that never, bad. You're never going to wake up happy. Your neck uh, you know hurts. what I mean? Your back is in pain and oh, it's all. Let the... alone being woken up by a bum pinch. Exactly. Do you know what I mean? So he wakes up and he's like, oh my God. Who woke me up? Whoever you are, I'm going to exile you to Siberia. <laughs> okay. And the courtier who's had his bum pinched, like he says this to him, is like, find me the person that woke me up. I'm going to, I'm going to exile them or all of you are going to be exiled. Oh my God. So this guy that's got his bum pinched um, is like, oh no. Meanwhile, some bloke in a cellar with a wall that has a, a written, it's like a wall covered in an application form. I don't understand it. But anyway, just watch the film. Anyway, he's in a cellar and he's writing out military duty lists. Okay. Okay. And he's kind of copying from one sheet to another. And he accidentally makes up a name of a fictitious officer called Lieutenant Kija. Okay. Uh, what, he just, oh, oh no, I accidentally, he accidentally wrote Seriously, down a name it takes so things. long for this to happen in the film as well. <laughs> um, and so then he, you're like, oh, okay. But before he can rip the piece of paper in half, the Tsar walks in and he's like, oh, is it the Tsar? Someone else walks in and, and, and um, he's like, okay, what's this bit of paper? Oh, Lieutenant Kija. That's a funny name. I want to meet him. And so everyone's like, what? Oh no, we can't tell the Tsar that we made a mistake. And this then combines with the person Ooh, that the will be held responsible for waking up on the night. So the courtiers are like, okay, look, let's kill two birds with one stone. Let's say that Lieutenant Kija is the man that woke the Tsar nice. up in the nice, middle nice, of the night. Nice. And so the Tsar's like, great, he's exiled to Siberia, bye. And then the whole rest of the film revolves around this like web of lies about Lieutenant Kija and how the Tsar keeps like giving him money and then making him, he gets married and the Tsar keeps wanting to see him and, and then all the courtiers have to make up this web of lies. And then they, yeah. Anyway, look. I mean, it sounds like a bit of a slog of a film. I have to say, Prokofiev thought the film was crap. Right, <laughs> he thought, okay, his, he okay. thought his music was good, but he thought the film was crap. <laughs> and having watched it, I tend to agree with Prokofiev. Right, actually. so what does this have to do with Christmas right, at all? Exactly. Why am I talking about this? So, after the film was released, Prokofiev was asked to write an orchestral suite 
of the music from it. Right. And by the way, the music was few and like barely there in the film. Most of it was utter <laughs> silence with like cries of bum pinching. And then like every now and then there was a bit of song. Anyway, so look, he sort of, he, the task before him was quite massive because he had to mix all the bits and pieces from the film together mm-hmm. into something that could actually be kind of respectable in a concert hall. Sure, okay. Sure. And he wrote five movements. So the first is The Birth of Kija. The second is Romance. Then Kija's Wedding. Troika and the burial of Keisha. Okay. And today we're going to talk about movement four, Troika. And a Troika is a traditional three-horse sled in Russia, often used in wintertime. Now we're talking. So you know what that means, don't you? Sleigh bells. What I really like about that is it sounds to me like a mashup of the Tetris theme and Sleigh Ride. <laughs> the Tetris theme was also Russian though, wasn't it? It's yeah, no, exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So it um, just sounds like a super Russian version of Sleigh Ride. It is, isn't it? And the um, is like the theme throughout the film. The film which I just showed a bit of to Chris, by the way. He also uh, agrees. Would not recommend it's a watching. It's It's so quiet for so Because like, yeah, Prokofiev's music barely ever comes in and they also uh, barely ever speak and yet it's a talkie. It's just a bad film. It's on YouTube. Anyway, <laughs> um, so look, that piece is heavily associated with Crimbo. Played on the radio a lot over here as well this time of year. And frankly, it just makes me smile. So I hope you enjoyed it and go listen to the full song. It starts off really like bomb de bomb bomb <laughs> and then this like jolly sleigh ride comes out of nowhere. So do Delightful. go and give it a listen. This episode of That Classical Podcast is brought to you by Encoda. That's N-K-O-D-A. It's Encoda! Encoda is a sheet music subscription app that we absolutely love. There are 110,000 titles available across Encoda, which means over 30 million pages of music! Uh, It's got absolutely everything from musicals to pop to every imaginable classical piece. You can go crazy. Encoder is for everyone. So whether you're a professional musician or a total beginner, you can share music instantly and annotate your own scores directly within the app. And as if all that weren't enough, that classical podcast listeners can get a free three-month trial to this amazing service. Just go to www.encoder.com forward slash that classical to sign up now. That's www.nkoda.com forward slash that classical for your free three-month trial. Next up, we're going to talk about another composer that actually hasn't had too much of an airing on the podcast before, okay. and that is uh, Mr. Poulenc, Francis Poulenc. Have we ever done a Poulenc? Well, we've mentioned him in passing because he was one of Les Six, our fave six and French he composers. Liked a woodwind. He liked a woodwind. He did like That's a woodwind. That's why we talked about him. Yeah, he loved a good woodwind. Um, okay, cool. What are we going to talk about? Well, so we're going to talk about um, Poulenc and how he is not always taken entirely seriously, basically. Okay. 
So Poulenc was a bit of a bit of a paradox, basically. So he came from a family uh, where his father was a very rich pharmaceutical manufacturer. Ooh. His mum was a bit arty, but it was assumed that he would follow in the family footsteps and just become a businessman, basically. But he was like, no, no, I am an artist. I need to make the music. Okay. Right, yeah. And then I'm, all right, okay, fine. Bit of a cheeky, naughty boy. Uh, had lots of raw talent, but didn't have that much academic training. Always felt a bit insecure throughout his life. Ooh. He didn't have the same sort of musical background as... Uh, lots of his contemporaries people at first thought he wasn't that serious or religious with his music and lots of his earlier output is like quite light-hearted okay. bit sexy a bit naughty Ooh, yeah. um Love that. he himself uh, was a bit sexy and a bit naughty um lots of uh, lots twists of lots of pinched lots of bums, bums all the, over the yeah, shop waking up czars with, uh predominantly with men but with women as well oh, he okay, had cool. yeah. he had affairs all over the shop right and i really like that one critic uh, wrote about poulonk and described him as half monk and half naughty boy that oh, put that on my gravestone. But maybe a girl, <laughs> half, half <laughs> nun, half naughty girl. <laughs> there we go. But yeah, so because he wasn't so steeped in this like academic tradition of music, he went a lot by instinct. And so, although he kept on top of what was happening in music at the time, he wasn't that into the really sort of like modern stuff. So he was around sort of first half of the 1900s of the 20th century. Okay, nice one. Wasn't that into what other French composers? So like Pierre Boulez was doing stuff that's really sort of avant-garde and abstract whereas mm-hmm. lots of Poulenc's music is very melody-led and melody-driven mm-hmm. uh, but this led to him sort of butting heads with some of the younger generation of composers so they tried to sort of portray him as like his music being quite frivolous and quite unprogressive okay. uh, because it was all sort of like traditional in a way but more sort of melody-driven rather than the really sort of experimental avant-garde stuff that people were trying to do mm-hmm. in like the 1940s and 50s and so on okay but that means because of this sort of public perception of him as like slightly frivolous, that people weren't actually as aware of his more serious work. So he was actually, despite having this reputation for being a little bit of a naughty boy, uh, half was monk, actually half naughty boy, yeah. half monk, half naughty boy. Uh, <laughs> gonna get that tattooed. Or put it um, on your Tinder profile or something. Come on, for God's sake, out there! Oh my God! Listeners. Please, can one of you put that on your Tinder profile? <laughs> screenshot any responses you might get. Let's Would love it. to see those. It's gonna be me. <laughs> anyway, carry on, please continue. Uh, so. So anyway, he wrote quite a lot of serious devotional religious music and people weren't really aware of that and indeed to this day aren't really that aware of him as a sort of serious religious composer. So uh, he wrote some pieces which he called Four Christmas Motets because there's four of them, they're motets, and he wrote them for Christmas. So he finished them in 1952 and they're inspired by four scenes from the Nativity story. So he uses texts that are quite commonly used in lots of Christmas choral writing. So there's O Magnum Mysterium, which if you remember, was it the last Christmas episode? I think it was our first Christmas episode. Oh my god. Yeah, where we did a piece by Morton Larridson called O Magnum Mysterium, where it's just people being like, oh man, it's Jesus. Whoa, (laughs) baby. (laughs) Literally, baby, whoa. Yeah, uh, and you know he's got all the Gloria and Excelsis Deo and yada yada. And all did that you good know stuff. that the term Xmas? Oh, <laughs> so, speaking of Christ, I was on such a roll there. Of our, the Lord Jesus Christ. Um, the term Xmas isn't only like X because people are lazy. In <laughs> fact, the letter X actually represents the Greek abbreviation for Christ. 
Did you know that? I did know that, Okay, yeah. <laughs> but also, it kind of makes you think you've been ending all your text messages for years with, OK, love you, Christ, 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 Christ. <laughs> so where does this leave us with Extina Aguilera? <laughs> I don't know, but that is wonderful. Sorry, so do continue. I just thought I'd, you know, a you smatter. I thought you'd totally disrupt my slider. Smatter of Christmas cheer. Continue. Wonderful. So, <laughs> yeah, keep that in mind, maybe, while you listen to this. <laughs> So we're going to listen to the first movement of these uh, four motets, O Magnum Mysterium. That's quite a sort of dark Christmassy tune, isn't it? It's like a bit evil sounding. Well, I think the whole point about it is it's meant to be sort of very solemn, mysterious, like we cannot comprehend the majesty and mystery of Jesus. Because I guess, like, because Old Manion Mysterium, uh, Morton Larrison's version, I know that he wrote that. Because he, in, he was trying to like channel the animal's wonderment looking upon Christ, yeah, wasn't he? I think it's different versions of wonder and mystery. So Larrodson's more like, whoa. Wow. And then this and then this one's like, like, oh, <laughs> wow. Thanks for making that distinction there. That's super helpful. Um, <laughs> but, you know, it was it was different to what I expected. It's it's not, it doesn't sound very festive. No, no, it's just, it's a different way of like expressing right. Christmas feelings, I guess. Okay, so it's not yeah. sort of sleigh bells and happiness like Troika right, it's more okay. sort of like religious Christmas okay got it um, gotcha. but just before we move on um, critics have so much fun stuff to say about Poulenc so I just want to just hit you with some more phrases that uh, one composer talked about him and said that he was deeply devout and uncontrollably sensual what in that piece uh, no just in general I, d- I would say that's not really like a no, no, just in general. You and then put that on uh, the background, you? another writer described him as a fizzing, bubbling mass of Gallic energy. Okay, wow. Um, but yeah, so definitely listen to the rest of them. They're all in that vein, all sort of more along the somber, serious reflections on the nature of Christ and all that sort of stuff, rather than happy, happy Christmas tunes. Shall I cheer us up with a Christmas fact? Oh, do you have to? <laughs> do I have a choice? I think. Okay, no, look, this is actually genuine. But thank you for that. That All is right, fascinating. You're welcome, you're welcome. But I think we should cheer ourselves up now with a fact about mince pies. Now, Americans, do you have mince pies in the States? Don't know. I don't think you guys do. A mince pie is not what it sounds like. <laughs> um, it used to have meat in it. It's like a, tiny, a teeny tiny pie, like for a baby. <laughs> um, and it has like spiced like fruits and and raisins Raisins and stuff in it and it's got this delicious short cross pastry and it's sweet Mm. all right now we all know what a mince pie is come on what's your fact it's technically illegal to eat a mince pie on christmas day in this country it is why because back in the 17th century old ollie cromwell banned christmas pudding and mince pies and anything to do with gluttony (laughs) 
and the law has never been changed. Literally, anytime so, something fun's been banned, it's always right, Cromwell. Absolutely, Ollie. But it basically means that I've been a wanted criminal for over 20 years, <laughs> and I may as well just start eating a swan or something if I'm already committing treason. Like, why have I waited all this time? And it also reminded me of another joke, which is this, oh which gosh. I got told last week. A man goes to a doctor. Yeah. Doctor, I've got a mince pie up my bum. And the doctor goes, I've got some cream for that. Get out. Because <laughs> you eat mince pies with cream. One, two, one, two, three. Before we continue, I want to say an absolutely massive thank you to everyone who's currently supporting us on Patreon. Thank you so much, guys. And if you want to become a patron of That Classical Podcast, you can just head over to patreon.com forward slash that classical podcast to see what sort of goodies you can get for becoming a patron what can they get chris you can get uh merchandise you can get a bonus episode you can get blooper reels from the episodes you can get pure unadulterated versions of our theme tunes every week um so much stuff and most importantly you get a shout out on the show so a very big thank you to kirk oliver melody zheng deng michaela komin nick schmuck nika kushnir Satoru Tagawa Simon Cooper Vincent Arrell Bundock Will Castle Michael Buonacorsi Thank you! Thanks! And last but not least, it's Little Tree by Eric Whittaker, Eri Wee, our our good friend Eri Wee. And look, you can't have crimbo without a crimbo tree. And if the smell tree. of pine wafting around the living room fills you with nostalgia and childlike glee, I think you're going to enjoy this one. Or so, if it fills you with hunger, apparently, because yeah. you're supposed to eat the <laughs> trees really now. Lacking. If you've got scurvy, uh, just have your tree. Don't eat your tree! <laughs> Obviously don't eat your Christmas tree. Eat your tree. Right, OK, so Eriwi wrote this uh, on commission back in 1996 because uh, uh, Vance... Vance George uh, was the famous conductor of the San Francisco Symphony Chorus asked him to do a piece for a Christmas concert mm-hmm. and so um, Eric we're on first name terms Eric <laughs> chose to uh, set a poem by E.E. E. Cummings uh, to music and the poem was Little Tree and oh, it's the most beautiful it's really touching it's about a young brother and sister who find a little tree on a city sidewalk carry it home and cover it in christmas ornaments okay that sounds adorable oh my god it literally makes me weep (laughs) the poem makes me weep and the piece of music by jove makes me weep even more double weep i mean yes there are a couple of of weird bits aka i will kiss your cool bark and hug you safe and right just as your mother would Please don't try this at home. I know you want to eat your tree, but please don't hug it. Also, Christmas trees give me a rash, so really? I won't be hugging mine. Don't do that. You don't want um, so to there get some, a rash So there are some odd lines. Anyway, listen, <laughs> Eric uh, was inspired by the kind of intricate counterpoint of Bernstein and Barber and the Ooh. super American sound of the 1940s, which I hope you're, sure. you're going to hear from this. But there is still, obviously, that classic Eric Whittaker crunchy chord sort of musical signature in there. Are they going to be ninths and elevenths? Oh, yeah. And, yeah, beautiful. Um, and the final thing is that he dedicated it to his little sister, which also makes me want uh, to cry. Oh, my God. So it's like he and his sister are the brother and sister. Stop it. I know. Stop it. So, oh look, God. before I do so burst into tears, um, let me read you a few stanzas. 
colours and hopefully you'll see what I mean. Look, the spangles that sleep all year in a dark box, dreaming of being taken out and allowed to shine. The balls, the chains red and gold the fluffy threads. Put up your little arms and I'll give them all to you to hold. Every finger shall have its ring and there won't be a single place dark or unhappy. Then, when you're quite dressed, you'll stand in the window for everyone to see and how they'll stare. Oh, but you'll be very proud. And my sister and I will take hands and looking up at our beautiful tree, we'll dance and sing Noel, Noel. tears in my eyes how pathetic is that literally how pathetic is that no i mean it's a lovely poem lovely tune isn't it sweet it just you know what you can't be sappy at christmas when can you be absolutely and it just it reminds me of my brother and being really tiny and being excited about christmas like and like (laughs) just everyone have one of those stories from their childhood like once my brother and i i think i must have been about six or something we woke up at like 5am on Christmas day and ran downstairs, opened all of our presents before our parents woke up. Really? Oh. And they were like, came down and they were like, what the hell is this? <laughs> Children from hell. Um, anyway, look, to all of you out there with siblings, I think I'll dedicate that one to you uh, and to little sisters everywhere. Good king Wenceslas went to town, good king in the morning. That classical podcast. Well, that was our Christmas episode for this year. And in lieu of doing the usual plug of all the social media stuff, uh, we just want to say thank you so much to you, the listeners. Thank Thank you you so much for listening and supporting us over the past year. Um, It's it's been been, quite a year, hasn't it? It's been not bad. We we won a British Podcast Award this year and we couldn't have done that without you and your support. Um, what else did we do, Chris? Uh, well, we've launched our Patreon. Um, thank you so much to all of you who are supporting us on there as well. It's phenomenal yeah. to to get so much support from you guys. And, you know, the emails that we get from you just make everything worth it. Like, obviously, They mean so much. You know, yeah. we put a lot of work into the podcast and it's it, honestly, it, it makes us so happy that you enjoy it. So please do write to us and, and tell <laughs> you. And, you know, if you want to hear a certain piece on the show or you want us to do a composer, just let us know. Um, and yeah, we love you guys so much. Thank you for listening. And I guess we'll see you in 2019. See you next year. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Bye.